0: Welcome back to Default of Democracy for 2024. It is a presidential election year. We got off to a little slow start this year because of COVID and school and all kinds of things. So we are here uh, at the 1st of February, launching our new season of Default of Democracy, talking politics, ageism, uh, <laughs> On both sides of the coin, and lots of voting and participation discussions. So I'm Nancy Sims.
1: I'm Christian Jameer.
0: And we're going to entertain you with politics. So to get started, Christian, I wanted to talk about the presidential campaign a little bit. I mean, essentially at this point, Nikki Haley is still in the race. Everybody else has dropped out. So it looks like it's going to be Trump versus Biden. But I read this fascinating statistic recently that 22% of black men are supporting Trump. Let's talk about that.
1: I, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that, Nancy. I mean, by I, myself, I'm a, I'm a black man. Um, I think with the black community, we're just, you know, very frustrated with the presidency of you know, Joe Biden. What has happened? You know, he promised. You know, the student loan stuff that didn't go through. Roe v. Wade got overturned. Don't even get me started on um, affirmative action. That was that was that was, a, that was a George Floyd. All this, all these things that's been happening. I know a lot of um, African Americans in the community have been extremely frustrated, especially with the um, the immigration that's been happening. No, there's just been a lot of just talk about you know border security and just just opportunities in general, and it's just been very frustrating, especially for African Americans, because I feel like African Americans, you know, we lost all our great leaders a long time ago, so it's just been it's been hard for for African Americans to get back on track, and you know we we you know we had Obama our shining light, <laughs> but you know as of right now it's just it's just been. A lot of just separation and a lot of just just pain, especially since like COVID and everything that's happened. George Floyd, all these things have been happening. Black Lives Matter. It just feels like, you know, the African-American the community just, you know, doesn't really have a voice, you know, and it's just been difficult.
0: And when we talk about that, we do have to pause and remember that we do have the first African-American vice president ever um although she's female yeah. so does that you know make black male voters feel a little alienated does it you know how does that affect this interest in trump and i mean historically the the african american vote has been solidly yeah, democratic And so it sounds like this year, though, Trump is making some inroads. I
1: think it's just like, like I said, it's a lot of frustration built up with them. Like the just, you know, if, you know, the Democrats feel like, you know, we already got the black voters. Like, what do we have? We don't have to do anything to get the black vote. So it's like, you know, they do the bare minimum. And I feel like that's starting to change now. A lot of people are like. Okay, like well, I might as well vote for Trump because nothing good has happened under Biden. That's I feel like a lot of people are feeling that way and you know it you know, I understand the frustration. A lot of un you know, unheard uh promises and wishes just went went just through the floor and it's just un it's frustrating and like you said, yeah, we do have a a black vice president, but while I was telling you the black community feels like they don't have a voice. Cause do you ever hear anything about Kamala? She's real silent. She's like a ninja in the background.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting you say that because even back when you were a student in my classes, we were playing where's Kamala. Uh, But she is more visible this year. I've noticed she's definitely being trotted out more mostly to talk about the abortion issue though, not so much on black voter issues. And I know in South Carolina uh Biden really made outreach to the black community but here's the thing while the black community may be leans democratic voting patterns turnout is the big issue yeah. and so if you don't have enthusiasm for a candidate getting turnout to the polls is a harder thing to do so and do you think some of its age, just like with every other, because as you and I've joked, nobody yeah. under 40 is going to vote for Joe Biden. I mean, so. there
1: is a, like you, like you mentioned, there is a like a huge, um, you know, just young black population right now. There's a lot of um, African-Americans like aging out. A lot of these African-Americans, um, even my grandmother, you know, they didn't even have the right to vote. So you know i feel like a lot of the older african americans do take the time to go out and vote cuz you know they had to fight for the right you know they had to go through all this pain and everything and i feel like you know african americans are kind of taking it for granted and you know i you know me for example my grandparents weren't able to vote so I that's why I personally feel the need to vote in every single election general, primary, presidential, local elections. I'm going to vote regardless. I feel like my vote counts. I feel like if my vote didn't count, then why did, you know, my my people have to die to get the right to vote? You know, it's a very important thing. We had to go through those crazy tests and all this this crazy stuff and now it's just like we just taking it for granted and a lot of people just feel like their vote doesn't count and that needs to change
0: even still you may vote but your enthusiasm for voting in the presidential race is low Mm -hmm. right that's what i'm sensing from younger americans Is that there's just no? I mean, you might go and vote for the D.A.'s yeah. race, but you're not necessarily interested in voting for Biden or Trump either one. I right? Think,
1: honestly, Nancy, we talked about this so many times. It's like I'm a young black man, and a lot of people are like, "Okay, I'm a young person. Why am I going to keep voting for the old white guy?" Yeah, and that's really how it is. You know, no dis- discrimination, anything like that. But it's like you don't. I I don't see myself in Joe Biden. I don't see, you know, my voice being you know heard with Joe Biden or Donald Trump, and I just feel like you know it's extremely frustrating. And like I've just heard a lot of just you know just crazy things, and you know I I think even people just having like just these negative feelings, and you know, bring me back to like '08. Oh, I was very young, and I feel like Obama was the last just hope for you know the black vote and you know it made a lot of black people come out and vote and you know Obama really changed the way that black voters voted
0: honestly well and and Trump getting elected was a little bit of response to having had a black president for eight years and then Biden when he got elected we were in COVID and we were really terrified of the direction that Trump was taking the disease and handling covid as it affected the country. And so I think, you know, again one could say did Biden win or yeah. did Trump lose, right? But but now here we are with these two we're rehashing a previous election yeah. that wasn't you know, that was kind of a quirk of nature due to the middle of the pandemic. And now we've got these same two players. And I don't know that other than, you know, the core Trump supporters that are pretty rabid, nobody seems to be enthusiastic about this presidential election. I heard
1: a lot of people even mention they're Like, it feels like, you know, 2016 or 2020 all over again. Like, why are we going backwards? I feel like... Every, I feel like we're just going backwards. Like, the country's just going so backwards. And it's it's a little scary, especially for me. Like, I'm young. I'm trying to, you know, pay off my student loans. I'm trying to maybe someday, hopefully own <laughs> some property, you know, even afford a car. Like, inflation, everything's killing us. And, you know, this presidential race, like, this, this is like you said it's the most important race that people pay attention to but it seems like no one cares
0: well and you don't necessarily see answers to our solutions in these two candidates well hey let's come home to texas we are one month out from texas primaries early vote actually starts on the 20th so just two weeks from now and um it's important, I want to explain a little bit, and then Krishna and I are going to talk about some of the primaries across the state, but it's very important to note, in Texas, we do not have partisan registration. So anybody can participate. Once you vote on March 5th, our early vote, you declare yourself Democratic or Republican. You have to choose which primary to vote in um, this spring. Then you are held to that primary for the runoff. But after that, all bets are off until the next time we have a primary. You don't, pe- you will hear pe- people tell me all the time, I'm a registered Republican. Well, not in Texas, you're not. We don't do it that way. <laughs> yeah, you know? And so, I wanted to make clear that we shared this because folks, you can vote. Now primary participation is extraordinarily low in Texas. And so you tend to get the most partisan candidates out of, out of the primaries. And then because of the way re- redistricting is done in Texas, we have very few general elections that are contested, but to bring it on home to Harris County there's a race that reflects as as you all may recall I'm 64 Christian is 24 um, although our birthdays are this spring <laughs> so we're about to uh, we're about to round that up yeah. but uh, there's a race in Houston that reflects our ongoing conversation about age and politics, and it's the Congressional District 18 Democratic primary, where we have Sheila Jackson Lee running for reelection. Being challenged by Amanda Amanda Edwards, who is a young younger, yeah. I should say younger, <laughs> brilliant, smart woman who stepped out of the mayor's race so the congresswoman could run for mayor in the hopes that she would either retire or win the mayor's race. So now the two of them are in a fairly heated primary. So let's talk about that contrast.
1: Even we were talking earlier last year about how, you know, they were... You know, about to be pitted against each other during the mayoral race, and you know, I felt like Sheila was whispering in Amanda's ear, saying, "Hey, you know, let me let me try to let me win, let me try to win this mayoral race, and why don't you run for my position?" And you know, it got this far, and you know, uh, Sheila didn't make it, and she just wanted her seat back. And my personal opinion on it is. I really think Sheila needs to just step down and just let the let the younger generation have a chance. Because, like you said, me and me and you were talking, she's been in there for forty years and
0: yeah, elected in eighty four.
1: She's been there for forty years and nothing really has changed since. So. We need some smart, young, fresh minds in there. I'm not trying to be ageist or anything like that. I'm just saying, let the let the young people have a chance. Let let us have our turn to try to change the world for the better and the way we want to have it, you know, change. Because you know, you guys, y'all already did y'all part. Let us let us try to have a change, please.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but Sheila's fighting for that seat with all she's got. I mean, she's the incumbent. And it is nigh on impossible to beat a, to beat an incumbent member of Congress. And I have so many friends. She
1: was the last person <laughs> to beat an incumbent. So, you know, it's going to be a hard one.
0: That's actually true. In the Harris County area, she was one of the few to beat an incumbent. Um, but It looks to me, if I had to call it today, I would say that the Congresswoman's looking fairly likely to win re-election, though though Amanda Edwards has given her a run for her money.
1: And I really hope it works out for Ms. Edwards. I really do, because, I mean, she seems like a very smart woman. I've never met her personally, but uh, I feel like, you know, she can try to make a difference. She can come with these nice, new, fresh ideas, because the way things have been going... Like I said, things are going backwards. just because someone's been in a position for so long, position of power for so long, and you don't make a change, you know, doesn't mean, oh, okay, I'm gonna win again, and now'm I'm gonna possi- I'm start doing things. Like it just doesn't work out like that. And you know, I don't think it's really fair to just try to stay in there forever and you know die on the bench. I just I think we truly just need change. And let the, let the young minds have their chance. How do you feel about that, Nancy?
0: It's hard for the congresswoman to let go, for an incumbent to let go. It's very hard. And she almost feels the need to justify, after losing the mayor's race so badly, she feels the need to say, I'm still worthy as a member of Congress, right? And so she is putting up a big fight. So you know, another really, I, I have to say, the other big race, and there's two other big races in the Democratic primary. One is the DA's race, where incumbent Kim Og is being challenged by one of her former district attorneys, uh, Sean Tier, and. I've been really amazed at Sean Tier's gotten most of the Democratic Party endorsements, like Houston Black American Democrats, the LGBT Caucus, these kinds of organizations carry a lot of weight in Democratic primaries. And so, that's one to really watch. And then the other one is Senate District 15, where, where John Whitmire was the state <laughs> senator for 40 years. And you've got six really dynamic candidates there. No one's really old, yeah. which is good. They're all younger and energetic and exciting candidates. So that's going to be a fun one to watch, too. On the Republican side, Christian, locally, we don't have that many hotly contested primaries, but statewide, you have Governor Abbott and Ken Paxton going after people in the primaries who didn't support, who did vote to for Paxton. They voted to impeach him, and so he sought primary opponents for them, and and with Governor Abbott, he's fielded opponents that run in against people who didn't support his school choice bill. Mm -hmm. And here in Harris County, we've got one race where you've got an incumbent, Lacey Hall, who's been, you know, a good Republican, uh, steady, but she's got an opponent from the far right named Mm -hmm. Jared Woodfill. He used to be chair of the Republican Party, and is a notorious anti-LGBT activist and also has taken a lot of positions on religion and that sort of thing. So that's probably, in Harris County, the most exciting Republican race to watch. But then down in Beaumont, we've got the, the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, is also facing an opponent fielded by Abbott, Paxton, and Patrick, to try to take him out in his own house district because of school choice and other not playing well with others in their opinion
1: i feel like the republicans in texas just you know they're gonna keep attacking each other they, they act like a bunch of kids on the playground you know oh you voted against me or oh you you didn't support me it's it's so crazy to me even abbott i mean some say abbott does a lot of radical things. I, you know, I can personally agree with that. He does do a lot of radical things. We were talking earlier before the podcast about how he busts he busts all these immigrants away to these other cities like uh, New York, L.A., Chicago. He was talking about how he was so appalled about um, New York's idea of giving immigrants uh, prepaid cards for uh, things such as food and any items they needed. And I just think you know this, especially with this border thing that's going on. Abbott's taking on the whole Supreme Court, you know, and we haven't seen any other gov- governor just do that like Abbott has. I feel like Abbott has a lot of just, you know he he just has a has a huge support in Texas and. You know, I feel like, you know, no one's going to take Abbott down even if he had an election coming up. We seen what happened with Ted Cruz. You see how badly he he did. <laughs> he did um better. Yeah, we, we 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 yeah, wait. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Ted Cruz, but we see what happened to Beto and it's just I don't I don't think that that Abbott's going to have any opponent, any opposition cuz we seen what happens if you're any any opposition towards the the good the good state of Texas. Well, I, I would down.
0: say, you know, Abbott's popularity, of course, he's not up for election this year, but his popularity is so high in the state. And, you know, the Supreme Court told him to straighten up, behave on the border, and he thumbed his yeah. nose at them. So right now we're kind of in this um, catch-22, but... How does that then affect the presidential election? And are you all, as li- our listeners of the podcast, is this border issue going to make you vote? Is it the thing that's going to drive your participation in the system? Because at the end of the day, that's what default of democracy is all about. We don't want you to hate Biden and Trump so much that you refuse to vote. We want you to vote. So if nothing else, vote on issues, right? So President Trump killed the compromise legislation in Congress just last night and today on, on a compromise on border reform. He killed it because he said, no, I want the chaos. I want the border in disarray because it's going to help me win votes in November.
1: <laughs> I mean, you heard what he said. He said he wants to start mass deportation if he wins the presidency. So we'll see what that's going to happen, if that will happen. There's just a lot of, a lot of crazy things going on. It seems like a lot of these politicians would, would rather see chaos instead of <laughs> what the people need. Which is trying to improve the economy, trying to provide better paying jobs, trying to fight back against inflation and, you know, corporate price hiking and, you know... I even heard recently on the news that they're going to try to Congress is trying to push a bill to stop um, like corporations from purchasing single family homes. Did you hear about that, Nancy?
0: I I heard a little about that.
1: Yeah, so I you know I think there's a lot of good bills that um, Congress is trying to pass. So you know we got to do things for individuals and not you know people's families instead of.
0: So I guess what Christian and I want to sum up this episode with is. If you don't like the people at the top of the mm-hmm. ticket, decide what issues are most important to you. Is it abortion? Is it inflation? Is it home ownership? Is it the border? <laughs> what What makes you passionate that you feel you then have to look at these two candidates that you don't like either one of and figure out, what is more important than their personalities that will drive you to go vote because voting is everything it is everything it decides where we go in the future so i guess we're going to talk to you a lot this year about staying engaged and paying attention so that you will still want to vote Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, it's going to be a a long election year. We'll see what's (laughs) going to happen in November. Like, we always talk, oh, November's so far away, and then it just sneaks up on you. It's already November again. So, I mean, we got a lot of things going on, a lot of conflicts since, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. it's been a couple years since the Ukraine, Russia, Israel, uh, uh Israel, Harass, we even got what's happening in the Middle East, how we're sending the missiles and everything, you know, we got a lot of conflicts going on. and. You know, I know a lot of people were saying things like, oh, we need Trump in office because we need a strong president. Um, they're like, you know, war wasn't happening when Trump was around, but they like I said, things happen. We don't know what's going to happen if Trump wins. We don't know what's going to happen if Biden wins. So we just look look yeah. forward to but what's going
0: to happen. We have to remember that Trump is also was pretty good buddies with Putin yeah. and and that Tucker Carlson was over in Russia this week. So, again, let's add foreign policy yeah. to that issue that may drive you to the polls. So... Here we are back with our 2024 season of Default of Democracy, and we appreciate you listening as often as always, and we are excited about talking politics for the rest of this presidential election year. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.